In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart App is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are, even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh. That is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Last year, Julie Brown of the Miami Herald conceived, reported, and wrote one of the most explosive criminal justice stories in recent memory. She tracked how the U.S. Justice Department shut down an FBI investigation that may have been on the verge of discovering the full extent of a child sex trafficking operation run by billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. The U.S. attorney in charge of that case was none other than Alex Acosta, now the United States Secretary of Labor under Donald Trump. As punishment for recruiting underage girls to perform sex acts at his Palm Beach mansion, Epstein spent barely a year in the local lockup with a liberal daily work release. Julie Brown found many, many more victims who had not spoken up and revealed the extent of Acosta's capitulation in the face of Epstein's high-powered defense lawyers. For her crucial work, she's been given a Polk Award for justice reporting. While she was in New York to receive it, she joined me on stage at WNYC's Greenspace. Thank you so much for coming. Um, and thank you to Julie Brown for coming to do the show. You first started reporting on this case when? Um, a year and a half ago. But I knew about the case for a long time. And you got involved in the case. Why? Because I, was, uh, I did a lot of human rights reporting for the Miami Herald. I covered the prisons. And I knew that Florida was one of the states that had a huge sex trafficking problem. And I always... Uh, everything that I read was uh, they were going after little cases, but I knew that there were some big fish, so to speak, in Florida that were probably behind sex you trafficking. You knew that how? I just, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just reasonable to think that there are uh, uh, this. It's a big money making operation. It's it's all over the country, all over the world, really, human trafficking and sex trafficking. There really was nobody pursuing this at all except for lawyers. And that was one of the other things that intrigued me about this case. You know, you would read about it and then you'd say, you know, how does this happen and why isn't anybody standing up yelling and screaming? But the case had been ongoing for quite a while before you got involved. Well, it actually had quieted down. I, I compare what I did in this case to what a cold case detective does. Let's say you have someone who disappeared. And the detectives come in, and they find a suspect, but they can't prove it, and then they put it all away in a box, and then somebody comes along who maybe just got hired by the police department, and they just decide that they're going to, uh, hey, I'm going to take a look at this. And when time goes by, I know this also from other stories I've covered, other people come out of the woodwork, or there might be people that didn't want to talk when it happened. Right. We're afraid for one reason or another, and time has gone by. Or, or they, incensed yeah, or by incensed what happened, how he went to prison for 13, course, to jail for 13 right, months. And, and, and these girls were, at the time, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. Now they're in their early 30s. Uh, actually, what really launched the piece was when Alexander Acosta, who was the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor in Miami who handled this case, got nominated by President Trump to be labor secretary. I thought, I knew about the case, and I thought, well, let's see what happens. Which involves, you know? to some degree, uh, prosecuting human trafficking in the right. labor department. I mean, it was really the, the, most, the biggest scandal of his career because right. he gave, uh, he really let him almost walk away. 
uh, from this crime and not only walk away from it, but they, they covered it up. They, they really uh, made sure that no one really knew the, know the scope of, of this crime. Now, for those people who don't know, a lot of the details of the case, so I want to start with that, which is describe for people who is Epstein and what was he charged with and what was the eventual outcome of the prosecution that uh, Acosta oversaw. Right. Well, he was a billionaire financier. and He had a hedge fund. He had a hedge fund, and he dabbled in a lot of other financing things, like at one point he wanted to uh, take over Pan Am Airlines. There was a lot of different projects that he invested money in, and, and he made a lot, obviously made a lot of money. He owned uh, two jets, and he owned homes in New Mexico, the largest single residence here in Manhattan, uh, home in Palm Beach, home in um, Paris. Uh, so he was extremely wealthy. Very smart, you know, he, he was a mathematician and Nobel Prize-winning scientists were in his circle. He grew up where, in New York? He grew up in New York. He didn't finish college, but he ended up getting a job at the Dalton School uh, teaching mathematics. Mm -hmm. And there, through the students' parents, he ended up working for Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns. And he sort of left under mysterious circumstances there um, and then opened his own, um, you know, financial firm. And during the course of the trial, was it, did it become, uh, uh, was it exposed or was it revealed how long he'd been doing this activity with young girls? No. Was it assumed he'd been doing this ongoing yes, for some period of time? Yes, and he had people right. helping him. Right. Uh, it was very organized. Right. Describe the operation. It was, we're in Palm Beach. Like He's got a big house there. It was like something if you saw a movie about it, you would think, oh, yeah, right, this is really going to happen. But it's exactly what he did. He had... Uh, a lot of money, and he had a lot of people around him, and what he, he, he liked massages. So what he would do is he had people go out to various areas. Malls. Like, well, initially it was like spas. Like In fact, one of the women that he uh, recruited was from Mar-a-Lago, which is right around the corner from his home uh, in Palm Beach. And once he got his hold on of a couple of the girls... What he would say to them is, you bring me a couple more girls, and I'll give you the same amount of money. So right. he would be paying them. So they were paid for services. Yes, for massages. Paid, for massages, and then, and then they were paid as recruiters to bring in more people. Right, and the recruiters would recruit more, and it just went on and like on. a pyramid. Right. And it it's kept like growing and growing until it yep. got to be, by your estimation, how many young women were coming in and out of that house over time? I mean, it, it had Hundreds? to be over 100 at over least. 100. At least, And yeah. they got them at, like, uh, if I read correctly, in shopping malls and different yeah, places. Yeah, because what happened was once he got his foothold into one of the high schools there, one girl would tell another girl. And these were girls who came from, uh, you know, most people think of Palm Beach as everybody's wealthy, but there really is, West Palm Beach is a very struggling blue-collar area, and there were girls who lived in vulnerable situations where they were in uh one step away from homelessness, one girl told me, for example, you know, I've been wearing this same pair of shoes for three years, and I thought, I'm going to go give them a massage, I'm going to get some money, and I'm going to be able to buy a pair of shoes, which is really heartbreaking, actually, yeah. every time I think about that, that, that. I met a young woman once on the set of a film who had been a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And she said, and every time I had sex with somebody for money, all I kept seeing was the new drapes in my mother's house. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, what a... You know, the other thing is he sort of led them to believe that he was going to help them out of their misery. Right. You know, like, you're beautiful, I'll get you... Connect them in some way, yeah, modeling, and he, acting, Yeah, and he had, he had people, you know. I have people, <clears throat> that kind of thing, and he did. But he did know some people. And right. actually, some of them did, a couple of them did become actresses, you know. Right. And uh, so he had some contacts, and he led a lot of them to believe that, that I'm going to get you out of this. And I don't think if any of those actresses won an Oscar, they would thank Jeffrey Epstein in their acceptance speech. Probably not. But, Probably uh, the, not. Uh, did other victims come forward who wanted to make charges against Epstein for events that predated Palm Beach? Yes, but the problem is the statute of limitations. So there's, there's quite a number of, of girls in that category, and there's really not a lot they can do. because Were his activities of in that regard uh, confined to Palm Beach, or did he no. do it in New York? and? Every, uh, 
from the women that I interviewed. He did it everywhere. He had an island in the Caribbean. Uh, he would send uh, one of the girls, or probably more than one, but one that I know of who I interviewed, out to, for example, he had the island, so they would take a furry or a helicopter from St. Thomas. What she told me was we would go to the nightclubs in St. Thomas, and I would just bring him more girls. And uh, there was Sarah Kellen, who That's was a, a scheduler. Right. What did she schedule? She scheduled the girls. So did you interview her? No, she did hasn't you? spoken to anybody. And she got immunity under the uh, non-prosecution agreement that he worked out. Right. So she's off the hook. A lot of people are off the hook. We don't even know She got immunity for what she did, which only led to a 13-month jail sentence for him with, for him, with yes. work release the whole time. They, yeah. they, they, they gave her that for so yeah. little. Yeah. The person you did interview who was a recruiter for him, how did they strike you? What did, what did they, was it a man or a woman? Well, you know, remember, a lot of the girls were recruiters for him, right. too. And uh, so they, you know, it's very sad to think about how this changed their lives. Imagine being 14 years old and, you know, you basically don't have any place to live and you start doing this and you're 14 and, you know, now you're 30 and you look back on it and, and it's very painful to watch how much they blame themselves. They're very ashamed, and they blame themselves for the other girls that they brought into it. And they just didn't understand the ramifications But a lot of, of the it. people that you're referring to were very young, whether they were uh, uh, you know, involved in the massage and other related sex activities with Epstein right. or the recruitment. Were there some grown women and men, particularly women, uh, I'm curious, who were recruiters or were helping to kind of run the operation, right. who should have known better. Well, what he did was, though, when the girls got older, 18, 19, 20, he didn't want them anymore. Uh -huh. So then they turned into, you know, they stayed with him and started doing it. So we don't really know those older uh, women. We don't really know how they, they got wrapped up into it. They could have very well been trafficked the same way the younger girls were at a younger age, but he kept them on. Paint a picture, if you will, of who Epstein you think is and, and, and why did he do this? I mean, because apparently, if I'm not mistaken, he had women coming in and out of the house and he was having sex with multiple women a day. Yes. Like three times a yes. day sometimes, correct? Yes. Right. Yes. What did you? What kind of a, of a picture did you get of him? Well, obviously he had some kind of an illness right. to be doing something like that, and uh, I think that the biggest thing that I came across from reading everything and all the research that I did was he really felt that he was above the law. He just seemed to know from the get go that he was going to get away with it. Uh, he pressured, intimidated bullied, hired uh, the best lawyers that his money could buy. And when those lawyers didn't give him what he wanted, he hired more lawyers. Uh, he hired politically connected people. He pressured the girls. He hired private investigators who followed their parents. Uh, he deposed the girls and, and got her uh, medical records saying that she had had abortions, called her parents who were Catholic, and asked her Catholic parents, what do so you think? So the goal was to attack the victims. Oh, yes. And not only just the victims, actually. The police who had been investigated were followed. The prosecutors were, were, were pressured. And I think that's what makes this a story, really, is every step of the way with the criminal justice system, he powered his way through to basically get away with now, the Some crime. of the people that you... Uh some of the lawyers involved in this case, there's a, you know, Left Court and Dershowitz and, uh, and even Ken Starr. I struggle to think that people at that level, I struggle to think that people of that reputation, at least in terms of their uh, skills as attorneys, are just in this for a deep pockets litigant and, and, and fees. I wonder what else potentially, were you led to believe there might be something, like Star, for example, I was kind of taken aback because, of course, here's Star, who made <coughs> his reputation going after Clinton for sex crimes. Right, right. And here he's defending Epstein. But with people like Dershowitz and Left Court and Star, what, what do you think, was, what, else, what else do you think was behind it, if anything? You know, it's hard to know. It was a different. First of all, it was a different time. It was well before the Me Too movement. Uh, and and what does that mean essentially? In terms well, of the case? I, I'm not excusing any of it, but right. I, I think that they sort of thought people well, could still get away with it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't I think the public so. pressure there was now. Yeah, and here's the big thing about it. 
uh, they didn't care about the girls. I mean, these were they they felt these were throwaway girls. These were prostitutes. Uh, they. You know, it, that's this, essentially what, what was uh, uh, was Epstein's defense, correct? Which he said, none of these women that came, they came as prostitutes. They right. were there for a reason. I paid them. If you right. want to get me on a prostitution rap, that's right. one thing. Right. But to say I was involved in sex trafficking, which is what they tried to do, he said, that's not accurate. Right. He wanted to contend that, he, that they knew why they were there. They knew they were there to get paid for sex. And that he also, if I'm not mistaken, you could... You could uh, um, highlight this for us, that he tried to explain that he told everybody, don't bring me anybody here who's underage. And he thought all of them were of age. Is that correct? Yes. But, I mean, the the, the women that I interviewed who were involved in it, uh, one of whom, by the way, was involved in it for years, said that he made it very clear he didn't want anybody who was older. All he wanted was young girls. And the younger, the better. I mean, that's basically what he always told them, the younger, the better. But, of course... You know, this is what they say, and uh, he, he and his lawyers, I'm sure, would say that they're lying and that that was not the case. Describe for everyone um, what happens in the case involved with Acosta in order to arrive at the decisions they arrived at, or the plea agreement right. they arrived at. Well, the state prosecutors in Palm Beach first had the case. The police brought it to them. And within a very short time, all these lawyers that, uh, that uh, Epstein had hired uh, began to uh, pressure the state prosecutor to make the case go away. And essentially, the state prosecutor was ready to make it go away. And, and really, he was going to get anything except a misdemeanor. And the police chief, to his credit, uh, said, wait a minute, this isn't going to happen. Because at the time this was happening, more and more girls, every time they enter, keep in mind, since it was a sex pyramid scheme, you would interview one girl, and the one girl would say, well, these two girls brought me. And then they go to those two girls, and they would say, these two girls. So they were getting an avalanche of, of girls. And here you have the state prosecutor saying, oh, we're just going to let him off on a misdemeanor. And the chief, to his credit, and the lead detective said no, and they went to the FBI. So then it, it became a federal case, and Alexander Acosta was the uh, U.S. attorney in Miami at the time. And Appointed by George W. Bush. Yes, it was the Bush administration. It was Republican administration. Now, uh, Epstein was a, very much of a Democrat, and he had supported Clinton and a lot of other uh, Democratic causes. But he, he was smart. It was a Republican administration, so what do you do? You hire a Republican lawyer. So Star. Ken Starr, uh, you know, left court. And also the other connection was Acosta had worked in the same politically very uh, important law firm of Kirkland and Ellis, uh, which was the same law firm that uh, Starr worked for and, and left court worked for. And so what they immediately started doing was try to work out some kind of a plea agreement with him almost from the get-go, even though the FBI was uh, on a parallel course to charge him with sex trafficking, and they were getting more and more information. And, but so there were two, two kind of things happening. One was the FBI was really going uh, full steam ahead with trying to prosecute him, and then you had the prosecutors who were essentially sending emails back and forth saying, well, why don't we charge him with this, or can we charge him with that? And it was this sort of collegial thing going on between the prosecutors. So they were, so they were asking defense attorneys, almost like, would you mind if we charge him with this? Yes, yeah, sort of. They really, yeah. they, you, you, I mean, from what I read, and I'm not an expert on this, yeah. I've rarely uh, heard, I've rarely observed such deference by prosecutors to the subject of a crime. Yeah. I mean, in the and, modern and, world. and what was amazing about the whole thing is if you follow the whole thing, which this took me over a year and a half to do, to follow the sequence of events here, is that they would fight down and say, okay, we're going to charge him with this, and, and then he'd say, okay, we're going to do it, and then he'd look at it and go, no, I want a better deal than that, then they'd start all over. And they, they manipulated, he manipulated the criminal justice system like I've never seen before, because every time they got him, which was a pretty good deal, he would say, well, it's still not good enough, go back again. What do you think was behind Acosta? What do you think was behind? I mean, because to me, the first thing that I come across is they want to bury this like it's some kind of radioactive waste because there are other people, big people. There's mm -hmm. big names of people who are clientele of Epstein's uh, massage spa. Mm -hmm. 
uh, are there names of people you've heard yeah, who are big names yeah. that are buried in those files? Yeah, yeah and what we are doing uh, at the Miami Herald and, and my company that owns the Herald at McClatchy, I have to give them a lot of credit because uh, we're the only news organization that has really done this, uh, is we've been systemically going through these cases now and going to the courts. We, we have a case right now here in New York uh, involving Epstein and his madame, so to speak. He had a woman that was helping him, uh, allegedly, uh, with this. Uh, here in New York? Here in New she York. She was a recruiter in New York? Yes, and in Palm Beach. She worked <clears> in Palm <throat> Beach, too. What was her name? Uh, Gielin Maxwell. Oh, this is Gielin Maxwell. Yeah, okay. and uh, this was a lawsuit involving her, and we're trying to unseal the records because we feel that there's more evidence in there. It's a New York case. That's a New York and, case, And who yes. wants to keep those records sealed? Elon Maxwell and Epstein. But, but, yeah. but who else? Well, there's is a John... Vance as indifferent to, as is the, the New York prosecutor's office, the DA's office, as indifferent toward uh, letting the light into those files as a cost it was? Well, we'll see. I right. mean, uh, they knew, it, let's face it, they knew that this was going on. They had... Who's they? The, the mm. U.S. prosecutors right. here in, in New York. Uh, because he was doing it giving him here. the same deferential treatment as a Democratic fundraiser? Well, uh, you What's know, the difference? Well, I don't know. It's hard to say, but we do know that Vance did make an attempt to lower his sex offender registration to a lower level. And that was was a real joke. Right. I mean, because. Why? Well, he. So that he could do what? The lower registration level, uh, giving him a different codification or a different kind of a label would achieve what? Give him more freedom. To do what? Well, he wouldn't have to check in, you know. Go back to Dalton and teach kids math? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, in this day and age, nothing would surprise me. Right. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of, like the Weinstein case, there was a lot of complicity. There was a lot of people that knew what was going on. Right. And I think that they looked the other way. Um, I want to pivot for a minute to your background and your life. You had a tough childhood. Yeah. 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 How so? Well, I moved out of the house when I was 16, became an emancipated minor, uh, lived with a bunch of different friends for a while, uh, worked at a lampshade factory and... Uh, you were 16? Delivered flowers. Well, I finished school and then, you know, I didn't have any money to go to college, so I, I worked a bunch of jobs, waitresses, and did a whole bunch Struggled. of things. Struggled. Struggled until the point that I realized I better do something <laughs> because I don't want to work at Kmart the rest of my life. Was so. that something that, that, that you think... Caused you to have great empathy for these girls. That were yeah, yes, absolutely. I it think became that a little personal. Happened. Well, not personal. It's just uh, for the underdog, because uh, I, I haven't really only covered, uh, you know, women who have been abused. I I did a huge uh, four-year project on the Florida prison system, and I've never been in prison, but I know that you know there's a lot of people out there who don't have a voice in our criminal justice system and they end up in very bad places and our system uh, disposes of these people and then continues to mistreat them. So they never have a chance to to get ahead even if they do pay their debt to to society. But Uh, two civil litigants settled with him at the end of last year. Yeah. And my question for you is like people that were involved, and again, I'm not not, uh, judging them or criticizing them. I'm just wondering what your opinion is. But do these settlements, do they stall justice in the end when you have people taking money? If they're the victims of these crimes and they take money, I think Rose McGowan took money from uh, yeah. uh, from uh, Weinstein, but there was no NDA involved mm-hmm. where she fought that. Uh, does that get in the way of us having real justice for the victims? Probably, but I feel like because our criminal know. justice system, unfortunately, in a lot of areas is so heavily weighted toward people who are powerful and wealthy, it doesn't give them a lot of options because look what happened with these girls. Uh, they they had no, uh, I mean, they were treated basically like they were just, I mean, they were 13, 14-year-old girls. He was charged with uh, solicitation of prostitution of someone under the age of 18. In other words, child prostitution. There really isn't any such thing as child prostitution. You know, the... Back then, that was still sex on the books in, right. in Florida, but it's no longer on the books right. in Florida. Yeah, it's sex trafficking. But in a lot of these people's mind, you know, Epstein's camp, the people that worked for him, uh, these girls were prostitutes, and he didn't really do anything wrong. Once she discovered her calling in journalism, Julie Brown drove relentlessly to realize it. 
a previous guest of mine on Here's the Thing, George Stephanopoulos, took longer to land in the same career. He first worked for President Bill Clinton. When I left the White House in early 97, I was, I guess I was, what, 36 then. I felt much older. (laughs) And I knew... Do you know why? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, White House years are dog years multiplied. But I also knew... I had a better sense of what I didn't want to be than what I wanted to be after I left. I knew that in order to feel my age again, I had to start a different career. The rest of my conversation with George Stephanopoulos is on our archive at heresthething.org. When we return, Julie Brown on the other men some of Epstein's victims have claimed were involved. And one of those men, attorney and scholar Alan Dershowitz, has his say in response. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin. Don't you think it's cool to care? Carrie Yuma knows fast fashion's not sustainable and decided to spin that conscious mindset to create high-quality, low-impact sneakers. Their best-selling Akka style is the perfect, durable sneaker for dressing up or down, pairing a fresh look with broken-in level comfort. Akka is made with organic cotton canvas and ethically sourced rubber, and every pair comes with Karayuma's signature cork and Mamona oil insoles. Akka's already found its way into my summer shoe rotation. Find your pair and choose from a range of bold and beautiful colors. Right now, there's 15% off at C-A-R-I-U-M-A dot com slash Alec. With how much we rely on our devices, it's easy to forget about the hardware we're born with. Take ears. Like fingerprints, your ears are totally unique. Too bad your earbuds aren't. Unless you've got Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Custom Fit Earbuds. Ultimate Ears Fits offer premium sound and all-day comfort. Their groundbreaking lifeform technology guarantees a perfect fit in only 60 seconds. Just put in the earbuds, connect to the app, and watch as the purple LEDs form the earbuds to your unique shape. With 8 hours of continuous playback on a single charge and up to 20 hours with the charging case, Ultimate Ears Fits are the perfect choice for listening to your favorite music and podcast all day long without pain or discomfort. For a limited time, get 15% off above the current offer of your pair of Ultimate Ears Fits True Wireless Earbuds at ue.com slash fits. Just use promo code FITS at checkout. That's 15% off the current offer with promo code FITS at ue.com slash Bits. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Investigative reporter Julie Brown of the Miami Herald broke the scandal of Jeffrey Epstein's plea deal, but even she has trouble expressing just how singular his light sentence really was. Florida has some of the toughest sex offender laws in the country. Uh, they send these guys to state prison. And Florida state prisons, I can tell you, because I covered them for That's where their troubles begin. They're they're vicious, you know. But he managed to work it out so that he would go to the Palm Beach County Jail. He had his own private little wing. Was Acosta responsible for that as well? Well, Acosta said he... Don't prosecutors have to sign off on that? Well, Acosta claimed he he had no idea that 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 was going to happen because what Acosta essentially did was he washed his hands of the case and gave it back to the state prosecutor. And it, it didn't just end there. I mean, he had his driver pick him up every well, explain morning. about the work release thing. Yeah, he got work release. Now, sex offenders in, in Florida don't happened? get right. work release. And the work release was what? He was out, what I read was he was out for 12 hours a day. Six days a week. Six days his a week. His driver picked him up, took him to his nice waterfront office in West Palm Beach. And, uh, you know, they, had, they did have sheriff's deputies you know, standing outside the office, but they were outside the office, and on the inside of the office, people were coming and going all day, including women coming to visit him. I interviewed one of these deputies, and I said, well, did you even pay attention to what he was doing in the office? You know, he had girls in there, and he goes, oh, no, that was not our job. You know? So he could have been continuing his mm-hmm. activities yeah. during the work release from the private jail cell at the Palm Beach, which he just could have kept it going and going and going. Yeah, yeah. And all those Where books, is Epstein now, do you know? I did hear he's in Palm Beach today. 
Now, there are people who um, their names were pulled into this. Um, I'm not going to say rightly or wrongly, but uh, that is always a really difficult consequence of these kinds of things for people to be wrongly accused and have their name dirtied up. I mean, as I told you backstage, my name was in Jeffrey Epstein's phone book, along with countless thousands of other people who were right. celebrities or right. well-known people. I remember when people online would attack me about that. They'd say to me, you perv, you rapist. I mean, to me, they'd say, right. before my name was mentioned in anything to do with the case, yeah. they'd write these things, and I would think to myself, I mean, I literally sat there going, where the hell did I ever meet Jeffrey Epstein? I couldn't put it, I thought to myself, in the 90s, was he at some event that was a fundraiser that I knew? And, of course, I have a phone number that we give people, that's what we, in my office we call the dummy line. And it's a number we've given out to four, maybe five million people over the course of the last 25 years. <laughs> but there are people who have had their name pulled into this whole thing. Dershowitz is one. And do you think some of the people whose names have been pulled through this are innocent, or you're not sure? You think Dershowitz's name was on flight uh, uh, manifest, flying to his, on his plane? Right. So before he became counsel to Epstein, he was a guest of Epstein's at his home. Right. And I think that <clears> that's <throat> the reason why Dershowitz is, is significant to a lot of people is that the idea is that he was Epstein's friend. He stayed at his Palm Beach house. He he vacationed at his Palm Beach house. And then he represented him and he helped fashion a plea deal that essentially not only gave Epstein immunity, but gave his co-conspirators both uh, right. named and right. unnamed right. immunity. Right. So the implication is that, you know, and I, you know, I'm not saying... Dershowitz, you know, is guilty or or not. I'm just saying the implication, uh, the reason why he, the lawyers representing one of the victims brought it out was to demonstrate that if if you know it is true that he was involved, he definitely had a conflict of interest. How how, how do you know? people get immunity as potential co-conspirators? How do they I have, don't it, know. Did, have they continued to get away with that in court? I mean, I, that's. I've talked to so many lawyers uh, about this, and I don't know of anybody that has ever heard of a plea agreement like this before. Right. I, you know, it's unprecedented. Is, it is unprecedented uh, that, that anybody. Did any would of the women come forward and accuse Dershowitz or anyone yes. else? Yes, so two were, women. So two, two women, women said he was a party to what happened. Yes, and nothing's happened with that. He no, remains he, protected he, by immunity. Well, no, I, I'm not saying he's part of that because they didn't name him. So, and of course he denies that he had anything to do with it, but uh, he has been accused of being involved in this. Uh, he insists By women? He, yes, by right. two women. By victims. And uh, he insists that they're liars, and, you know, he has, uh, you know, says that he has proof that, that this isn't true, uh, but it's been, uh, I haven't seen the proof yet. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to work with him on that, but he's, he's come out and attacked me pretty uh, aggressively. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, I try, you know, I, I try to keep an open mind. You know, it, it must be a terrible thing to be wrong, if he's wrongly accused, to be wrongly accused. This is a horrible crime. And, you know, I, I guess what I could say is I still try to have an open mind and I want to, I mean, the truth is the truth is the truth. You know, and only one person can really be telling the truth in this case. Right. And I don't think anybody really knows because these are he said, she said in a lot of cases. Right. Uh, so nobody, I mean, we might never know. Do I have a picture of you that were you sitting at a kitchen? I mean, I'm going to be very melodramatic now, but mm -hmm. um, were you sitting at a kitchen table at the end of some days and just staring at a, you know, a, a cup of tea or something and saying, you know, you just couldn't believe, not, not that this, not just that this happened. And not that it's just that it was covered up, but the way that it was covered yeah. up. I and mean, this is so yeah. insidious yeah. how this was done. Yeah. They, they gave this guy like a, like he went to camp for a while, like an extended yeah. trip to camp. Yeah, and with everything that I uncovered little by little, you know, it's like peeling away an onion. And I get, get so tired because, 
It's a lot of dense court documents, right. you know, 10,000 probably records. I mean, just so much. And it's a lot of it is so, it's all legalese and I'm not a lawyer and trying to make heads or tails out of it. You know, it just gets so And you tired. brought up a very good point backsta- backstage, which you said the Herald, like other newspapers, are not wealthy organizations and no. institutions anymore. So this money meant a lot. They had to spend a lot of dough to do this legwork, correct? Yeah, yeah, they invested a lot of money yeah. into this. They believed in me. <clears throat> was there a Ben Bradley there in your uh, story? Yeah, it, well, it was uh, Casey Frank, I have to give him. He's my editor who uh, actually even went to bat with me. The police chief did not want to go public. He had never gone public with this before. He had been also, uh, you know, his career was because he went after Epstein, too. His career uh, uh, was hurt by it. and, and How so? Well, a lot of people went after him, you know, and... Is he still the police chief? No, he, he retired. But he wasn't taken out of office, removed. No, but it became hard for him to be the police chief. Quite frankly, the reason why he didn't want to talk to me, he said he had talked to a lot of reporters off the record and sort of told them where to go and nothing ever happened. He was convinced that a lot of media had squashed this story. And he had, was really at the point where he had, was fed up and didn't want to talk to any media anymore. And so I said, we're not going to do it. And he said, no, somebody's going to call your publisher. And the next thing you know, you're going to be assigned to the obit department. <laughs> so I said, no, you know, talk to my kids. So Casey called him up and told him. Is that the game show host of the uh, journalism department, the obit department? Yeah, exactly. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the... Uh, um, like, what, what was the part that really just made you go, oh, my God, it was really, among I, many things that were, I, were the I most disturbing. I think it disturbing. was the fact that the government, now think about, um, you know, we know about the abuse in the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church protected the priests. And we know about the abuse <clears throat> with the Olympic gymnasts, the university had protected this doctor. But this was our government, even after they knew what he had done biggest thing that drove me was how they continued to fight these girls after they filed this crime victims' rights lawsuit. It was almost like they were Epstein. The government was in Epstein's camp. They were his counsel. Yeah, and they were saying, we're not giving you these documents. We're not going to tell you what we did. Right, like defense attorneys. And that just, I mean, how how do you do that? How in good conscience do you Mm. do that? What can we do to help protect young women from this kind of sexual abuse? Well, there's a lot of different things. Um, I think our law enforcement agencies, police officers, prosecutors especially, need to be better trained to handle these kinds of cases. There's a whole different way you handle trauma victims. You can't treat them like just any other victim. They're in a different category because trauma does things to your brain, and it makes it so that uh, you, you... you react to things differently. I mean, there's a whole science behind trauma. And so a lot of law enforcement people don't know how to question victims who are are victims of sexual assault. They expect that they're going to go ask them a question and when they hesitate, you know, or they're not consistent in some of the answers, that they're unreliable witnesses. But I've interviewed uh, FBI experts who who have made their careers in this, and they said that actually you should expect that their memories are not going to be consistent. And if they are consistent, that's a sign that that maybe they aren't telling the truth because the consistency is that they suffer from trauma and they won't remember exactly every detail the same way because that's the way your brain is. You, You know, I've been through some trauma and there are things in my life that I can't remember. I mean, I'll never remember, you know. So, uh, you know, you, you have to have... Uh, law enforcement people who are really trained to understand that. And there's a whole, like I said, there's a whole science behind it. Um, do we have any questions from the audience? From our <laughs> guests? Um, you have got the mic here? Right over Thank here? Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask if you had received any pressure similar to the people involved in the case to not continue the investigation, to not publish the article? Uh, well, I wouldn't phrase it that way, but let's put it this way. There's a lot of people who have been pretty aggressive with trying to uh, discredit me in in certain ways. Uh, So, you know, I'm pretty tough. There are countless journalists that are killed all over the world for fighting 
for the truth and for democracy. Uh, there are countless journalists right now being tortured in prisons all over the world. And so anybody that every time I, you know, that question comes up, of course, I, you know, you think about it in the back of your head, but I always think about all the other journalists out there that are just really risking their lives every single day. Um, over here. What's being done to stop him from continuing doing this today? Are they keeping an eye on him? Or are they watching him? No. <laughs> um, I can't find any evidence that anybody's watching him. That, that's another part of my story, really, uh, that uh, the sex offender registration that Alex Acosta keeps referring to is sort of this great part of the deal that he worked out. In reality, we don't know... I, He's jet-setting his life around the world right now, and I don't know if even if he gets off the plane, if his passport even says that he's a sex offender. The government won't tell me. They say that that's kind of something that they don't have to reveal. Let's go on the end here. Um, thank you. Uh, I have two questions. Uh, first is, did you have a chance to interview him? And second question is, what happened this woman now? What are they doing in life? And if you touch with them and interview again? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I tried uh, several times. Uh, I went to his house when I knew he was there, knocked on the door, um, wrote letters to him, certified letters, wrote certified letters to his lawyers, reached out to people that I knew, knew him, but no. I, I, I just, he probably just thought I was this little reporter from the Miami Herald that wasn't, you know, just like any other reporter just doing another rehash of the case. So I, you know, I don't think he felt that he had to respond to me. Uh, and that's just my guess. Uh, I still stay in touch with the girls. And, uh, and uh, I was really touched. They were very young. Some never even told their families that this happened. Uh, one of the girls in that category uh, who shared her story to me was scared to death about how her grandparents would read the story. And after the piece came out, she called me and she said that her grandparents had went to her and said that they were really proud of her. You know, so uh, I'm sorry, but that made me really touched mm. because it takes a lot of courage to do that. She, she, she was really worried about what they would think of her. You know, a lot of the girls, I'm sure, feel that way. And, uh, and like I said, they feel really ashamed. They, pu they really punish themselves. A lot of them didn't turn out well. Some of them are dead. Um, they've overdosed. Uh, they, some of them became strippers and, you know, or were victims of, of violence, uh, addicts. The one girl I interviewed, I interviewed her. The first time I interviewed her, she was in prison. She was serving a longer term for selling drugs than he served for molesting underage girls. So. That's, that, that, that's amazing. Um, I want to go over to this side. I want to get back to the safety of journalists. What concerns, if any, do you have about your own personal safety? I want to know what you do, what locks you have, what the security is. Well, for a long time, I had a nice loud dog when I was covering the Florida prison system. And there were some people that would show up, you know, lurking outside my and the dog would, it was so loud, it was my daughter's dog. So now uh, my daughter has her dog back, so I'm thinking maybe I should get another dog. But, uh, I don't, you know, I don't really think about it until people ask me, then I get worried. <laughs> you just keep doing your job, well, we, we live you know? in New York, so we think you're from Florida automatically. You carry a gun, don't you? Yeah. Well, I've had, you know, I have a lot of uh, friends who are police officers. In fact, my ex-husband is a police officer, and they've all advised me. Uh, that I should have one, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Like I said, I grew up in Philly, and, you know, you just pay attention to where you're going and what you're doing. And look, if anybody really wants to get you, they're going to get you. you know, I can't argue with really that. they really want you. We're going you know? to finish. Um, we're, I mean, if we didn't, call, we didn't call you, I'm sorry. We're going to finish with you, sir. Go ahead. What do we know specifically about the relationship between Epstein and uh, Clinton? Uh, he was absolutely on Epstein's plane, uh, you know, there, it's been documented that he's going where South Africa, uh, Epstein donated some money to the Clinton foundation and at, at, during this time period, which was, I think the early two thousands, uh, you know, they were, uh, the AIDS epidemic was spreading in Africa and there was a, you know, a sort of a fact finding plane trip that Epstein, uh, took trip Clinton on. Now he went. Uh, on his plane more than that, though. We know that there was probably like 20 trips. And 
you know, of course, a lot of people suspect that maybe he was involved in some way. He's denied that he was involved. And the the one girl that we know was very much uh, involved, underage girl, Virginia Roberts, said that she never saw him with any right, So uh, no woman has come forward. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Well, I was going to say I could talk about sex trafficking all night long. <laughs> I think I've had about enough of that subject for now, and we're out of time. But I want to say that, uh, you know, journalists who do the job you're doing are heroes, and I admire you very, very much. Yeah, please. I admire you tremendously uh, for what you've done. Uh, thank you to my guest, Julie Brown from the Miami Herald. And thank you all for coming. Thank you. Julie Brown on threats to her safety and that of other journalists around the world. When former Epstein lawyer Alan Dershowitz heard that his name had come up, he wanted the opportunity to respond. Here is our conversation. Uh, Julie Brown denied your listeners the full truth about her reporting. Um, she mentions two women who accused me of having sexual encounters with them. I never met these women. I don't know who they are. They totally came out of the blue. This is the only Me Too case that I'm aware of where there was no prior relationship, where there was no knowledge. Uh, these are just strangers who are falsely accusing me. These are both women who have long records of falsely accusing uh, famous people. The first woman named Roberts, who um, Brown relies on for her reporting, had gotten $160,000 from the Mail in London uh, for an article in which she remembers vividly meeting Al Gore and Typical Gore on Jeffrey Epstein's Island. They've never been on the island. Uh, Secret Service and other records confirm that. She also remembers meeting Bill Clinton on the island. Secret Service records confirm he was not on the island. Um, her own a lawyer, uh, Robert's own lawyer, admitted to me in a tape-recorded conversation that his client was, quote, wrong, simply wrong, that I couldn't possibly have been in any of the places where she claimed to have sex with me. I produced all my travel records every single day of my life during the two years this woman knew Jeffrey Epstein and proved conclusively that I couldn't have been at the places. That's why uh, the, uh, the head of the FBI, the former head of the FBI, Louis Free, did a complete and thorough investigation and concluded that the stories were made up and that they were false. Uh, the judge struck the allegation, sanctioned the lawyers for filing them. The lawyers then withdrew the allegation, admitting that it was a mistake, and yet your audience didn't hear anything about that. Um, the second woman went to the New York Post and claimed she had sex tapes of Hillary Clinton, of Donald Trump, of Richard Branson, and of Bill Clinton. And, of course, she was lying through her teeth, and the New York Post threw her out. Uh, the reporter's name is Maureen Callahan. She'll confirm all of this. And yet um, they produced her as the second woman after I was threatened that if I didn't withdraw a bar charge against the first lawyer, they would find the second woman because two women are better than one. You know, people say when they smoke, there's fire. Sometimes when they smoke, there's arson. This is a case of arson. This is a case where two women for profit, and they've earned an enormous amount of money, this, um, have falsely accused me, have framed me, and I'm seeking an FBI investigation. I've asked for the FBI to investigate me along with these two women because they filed affidavits, and I filed an affidavit. And how, and how, was, that, and how was that going? Is the FBI responding to your request? Well, we're, we're waiting to hear, obviously. Uh, I've also asked for any law firm in the country to conduct an independent investigation. I'm willing to show everything to everybody because I did nothing wrong. I've lived an exemplary private life for uh, all the years that are relevant to this, these inquiries, and these women just made up these stories. And, and, and Brown wants to win the Pulitzer Prize, but she didn't tell the public that the source she relied on, the major source, Virginia Roberts, is a proven perjurer and a proven liar. I won't rest until Virginia Roberts goes to prison and the other woman goes to prison. False accusations are serious, whether it's the actor in Chicago, Smollett, who falsely accused people, or it's these women. False accusations hurt the Me Too movement. They're very serious. And, and Julie Brown hasn't reported the other side of the story. Sure, she put into the story that I denied it. That's not enough. She owed the readers the obligation to say, I produced all my travel records. There was an FBI report. The judge struck 
everything that's uh, that's true, and then nobody would believe these stories. It's pure advocacy. And if a lawyer ever behaved that way, that lawyer would be disbarred for failing to produce uh, relevant evidence that shows that uh, I was innocent when the women are claiming falsely that I'm guilty. So thank you for an opportunity to tell your listeners the whole truth. Well, I mean, I, listen, I have tremendous, uh, in my own life, uh, public life, I've had uh, my share of things that I felt were not reported accurately or not r really very fair, mm -hmm. and uh, so I have tremendous empathy for that. I, I only have one question, which is that uh, in the world we live in, of course, th this is the American way, which is to torpedo people's careers over sexual charges. America is particularly right. obsessed with the sexual. Clinton and so forth, er everything is in other yeah, countries. They, the difference is they did it. Here we no, have no, a no, totally no, no, false sexual no, but, but, right, but, I didn't do it. No, 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 I'm not disputing that. I'm, I'm just leading up to something, which is that, that in this country, uh, people are often doing this too, uh, uh, this uh, as a form of character assassination and to nullify someone's career with these sex charges. Because in other countries, this doesn't play that much. I mean, in other countries, they not. don't care. In now, other countries, but, these but, women but, would be <clears throat> put in prison. But, but, but what I'm asking you is, so you think that these two women that are making these false charges against you, it's purely about money? Well, it started with money, uh, driven by their lawyers. The first woman, Roberts, told her best friend, I have it on tape, that she was pressured by her lawyers to name me. She had never previously named me. There are some emails now that are still sealed, but we're waiting to get them unsealed. But they show how the plot unfolded, how they admitted, how she admitted she never had uh, any contact with me at all, but she was told she had to put me in her book because otherwise the book wouldn't sell because I'm famous. And this is a woman with a long history of making false accusations against famous people. She claims to have had underage sex with the Prime Minister of Israel, with the Majority Leader of the United States Senate, with the United States Ambassador to the United Nations, with the man who invented artificial intelligence. You name it. I mean, it's a pantheon of famous people. Professor Alan Dershowitz. Julie Brown is still working the Epstein story, reporting on the fallout, including one lawsuit that has the potential to overturn the plea deal. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. I'm Tamara Pridgett. And I'm Adrienne Herbert, and we're the hosts of Sweat the Details, a new podcast from Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Each week, we'll talk to top-performing women in fitness, sport, and science. It's a podcast by women, for women, here to shake up the conversation about women in sport. Listen to Sweat the Details on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.